What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, I'm Nigel Lithgow, and I was the executive producer of Pop Stars, My Idol, Pop Idol, and American Idol. And these are my idol memories. Welcome to my podcast. This week, I'll be reminiscing about season one's top three performances and then actually talking to one of the top three, Nikki McKibben. So let's get straight to it. Each contestant would be singing two songs over the evening. The first song would be one that they chose for themselves, and the second song, one that the judges chose for them. The final three contestants had been sent home to their cities to be welcomed by their adoring fans. There was little time for rehearsals, so they were learning their songs while sitting on planes and automobiles. Nikki McKibben travelled back to Dallas and suddenly found that she was being treated like a star. Firstly, by the press and the Texas morning TV shows, and then she was mobbed at the karaoke bar where she first started singing. But she said she definitely wouldn't let fame go to her head. No matter how famous I am, because I'm always, always going to come back home. The song she had chosen to sing for herself was Stevie Nicks' rock lament after the murder of John Lennon, The Edge of Seventeen. Seventeen. Randy's opinion was tough. It was a great song choice from you, but I felt like the performance of me was very karaoke, dude, really. Paula raised another good point. It's such an identifiable sound of Stevie Nicks. This song is so Stevie Nicks, and she has such a unique, identifiable voice, and that's why she's an American Idol. Same thing for you. We need to, to pick a song that really allows you to be separate and distinct. I really think that's a, a very sensible critique from Paula there. Surprisingly, Simon said... I haven't really got an awful lot to say, actually. I mean, it was all right. It's not as much fun when Simon's that succinct. Anyway, Justin was second to go. He'd been sent back to Philadelphia, where he'd met the mayor, but there were two things he was really looking forward to, seeing his family and a real Philly cheesesteak. After doing all the morning TV and radio shows, he got the chance to get both. I mean, this town has helped make me who I am. So uh, I just can't wait to come back and see everyone. Justin had chosen one of my favorite songs, Let's Stay Together. It was one of those songs that I grew up with and had many fond memories. I love both the Al Green original and the Tina Turner version. And it was the perfect choice for Justin. His vocal control never faltered. It was like squeezing honey out of a toothpaste tube. Just a perfect performance on an important night. Randy 
was impressed. Yo, man, that was good, man. I think this is the, my favorite song that you've ever done. And you weren't dancing and moving around. You were just vibing, feeling it. I love that. That's the Justin I love. This time, Paula was succinct. Phenomenal. Then, pointing at Simon, she said, I have two words to say to you, and I'm not going to say them on TV. <laughs> yeah, they're different parts. Simon, amazingly, was appreciative. First of all, I want to thank you for not dancing. You're absolutely back to where we first saw you in New York. Superb. Brilliant. He really did deserve the praise that the judges had lavished on him. And I'm sure he went to change for his second song, Feeling Great. Kelly Clarkson was up next. She'd gone back to her hometown of Burleson, Texas, and having done the radio and early morning TV shows the same as her other two friends, she bumped into Donny Osmond, who turned out to be a real Kelly Clarkson fan. But the highlight of her trip was visiting her old high school. The entire school with students, teachers and parents were all there to greet her. She was totally shocked to realise the impact that she'd had on this little community. For her song choice, she'd chosen Celine Dion's Think Twice. It's a rock-influenced ballad that begins quietly and then kicks in about halfway through. Kelly was so good at holding those powerful long notes while the backing singers carry on singing the lyrics it was just the perfect choice for her vocal range and ability. Randy had a different idea. The song was not good, but you were brilliant. You have an amazing voice. Paula used the song title to assist in her critique. I echo that sentiment. No one has to think twice about the beautiful voice you possess. I, I, you know, you're amazing. Simon, like any good carpenter, hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, Justin's song was probably a better song, but you are the best singer in this competition. So after the first round where the contestants had chosen their own song, I would have said Justin was in first place, followed by Kelly, followed by Nikki. Time now for the contestants to sing the songs that the judges had picked for them. Black Velvet was a bluesy rock ballad sung by Alana Miles when she won a Grammy for it in 1991. I would have thought it would be the perfect choice for Nikki with that great Texan drawl. The song had such a southern flavour, it always amazed me it was written by a couple of Canadians. Somehow, Nikki's performance looked a little bit isolated from the song. Whether it was the trip home, the lack of rehearsal, or just being tired, there was a real lack of energy in her performance. Randy didn't mention that. He was too busy congratulating himself for choosing the song. That was a great song choice. Who chose that song? <laughs> wow, I think that's the best song yet for you. Yeah, it was a great song choice, but how did she sing it, Randy? What was your real critique there? Paula, too, referred to the judge's pick. We've gotten to know you for two months now, and we learned what your style's like, and we as judges kind of sense what would sit nice in your vocal range. And I think this song really worked for you. Well, I'm really pleased the judges like the song, but how is she performing? Hopefully Simon will tell us. We chose, I think, a good song for you. What I didn't see was anything additional. It was just a good rendition. And that's about as much as I can say. Okay, so at least Simon felt it was a great song, 
and Nikki added nothing to it. When asked by Ryan if Nikki had anything to say, she actually referred back to her first song and the judge's remarks. To my understanding, our first song was supposed to be our idol, and I love Stevie Nicks, and I would have never sang her personally like, because I know that I sound a lot like her, but, you know, I thought she was my idol and that's what I was supposed to be doing. Well, it made absolutely no difference to the judges, but it may have explained her choice of song to her fans. After his superb performance earlier in the show, the judges had chosen Elton John's classic ballad, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me for him. It was too much of a powered ballad for a tired voice, in my opinion. Don't let the sun go down on me, Although I search myself, it's always someone else I see. Randy disagreed with me. Listen, it looks like you saved it to the end of this competition to really get down to the serious wrestling business. Good. Good. And now, Paula disagreed with me. By far, tonight is your best performance of this entire competition. Thank you. Simon then crushed me with his remarks. Of all the shows we've done, of the top ten shows, this is the first time I've actually looked at you and thought, American Idol, congratulations. Oh, well, I guess I was wrong. It wasn't the first time, and I'm certain it wouldn't be the last. So far, the judges had praised their song choices, and I have to say I now agree with them because I thought their choice for Kelly Clarkson was excellent. Harry Nilsson's Without You. It was covered decades later by Mariah Carey, and it is a magnificent ballad. Paul McCartney called it the killer song of all time. Ironically, the two writers of the song from Badfinger, Pete Ham and Tom Evans, both committed suicide. This was certainly one of Kelly's greatest performances, in my opinion. I would put it alongside Tamira Gray's A House Is Not A Home. She changed some of the tune and put some beautiful notes in there. No one would ever have imagined that she'd almost lost her voice the week before. Randy acknowledged the song's difficulty. This was a tough choice that us judges gave you. I had the pleasure of recording that song with Miss Mariah Carey, who did an amazing job. We thought that you could definitely handle this song because it's a very, very tough song to sing. You did your thing, man. Wow. I guessed you did your thing was a compliment. I still wasn't used to a lot of the American vernacular, but I figured he meant she sang the song, and as her thing, it was she would sing it well, and that's what she did. It's still not really clear to me, but she did her thing. Paula was a lot clearer. Actually, we couldn't wait to hear you sing it, and you, ch you melodically changed it a little in the beginning. It was so nice to make it your own. Your family is so proud of you. Simon was short and sweet. Once again, it was just an amazing performance. Congratulations. So the show was over. As I said, I believe Justin won the first round, but round two definitely went to Kelly by a mile. That was my choice, but what would the American voters think? We'd have to wait until tomorrow to find out. You don't, though, because we're going straight into the results show. And it had been extended to an hour. Cecile Frocataz had done an amazing job of negotiating with Fox to get more money for the production. And now Kenny, Brian Gadinsky, and myself had to figure out how to pad out the four seconds it takes to say, so-and-so, you're leaving us tonight, 
padding out to one hour. Well, the first padding was for our three contestants to do a very corny version of the Captain and Tony Tennille song, Love Will Keep Us Together. It's a good song written by Neil Sedaka, but with the hand gestures and the hip wiggles that our three contestants did, it turned it into a cringe-worthy performance. After a commercial break, it was time for our sponsored Ford Focus moment. It starred Ryan Seacrest attempting to get into the studio and being rejected by a tough security guard played by one of our producers, Patrick Lynn. We were about 14 minutes into the show. Only another 45 to go. So now we decided we would be chronicling the journeys of our three remaining contestants throughout their time on American Idol. Starting with Nikki, we took her from her first audition through Hollywood, the semifinals, and into the top 10. We got her then to reprise Black Velvet from the night before, and in truth, gave a far better performance than she did the previous night. Justin Guarini's journey was next, and at the end of it, he reprised his best performance of the season, Let's Stay Together. Paula was in heaven. The audience, which included all of the remaining top 30, stood up and danced. He really did sing the song well. Or I guess using Randy's words, he did his thing. You did your thing, man. Coming out of the next commercial break, Ryan Seacrest was leaping around like a Mexican jumping bean. He was obviously off his meds again. They did make a very strange couple, I've got to say. Brian Dunkelman very coolly sitting there, laconically watching what was going on, and Ryan Seacrest jumping about, looking like he'd got ants in his pants. It was time for Kelly Clarkson's journey. I think she was, without question, the most consistently brilliant performer, and she was about to show that again with a reprise of Without You. Again, a magnificent performance. It was finally time for the results. The lights dimmed. The three contestants stood there, holding hands, looking like the sort of paper people that you used to make by cutting out papers with your scissors and turning them into a garland. Ryan took hold of the envelope and said, Nikki, Justin, Kelly, America voted. We'll find out. <laughs> yes, you knew that was coming. We still had another 15 minutes to fill, so three minutes of commercials would really help us. Coming out of the break, we were still putting off giving the actual result. So now Ryan spoke to the judges. What should America have done last night to get it right? Hopefully they voted for the best two singers left in the performance because, I mean, in the competition. Because the thing is, is now it's really serious. Somebody great needs to win this for us to have found the American superstar, the next would-be American superstar. So hopefully they'll do the right thing. Paula? I totally agree. I think America now is really gunning for the right one. And they're all stars, but someone has to go. Where Randy and Paula hedged their bets and spoke about America voting for the best singers, Simon, like Mike Tyson, didn't waste any time in delivering the first blow. 
He just threw his knockout punch. It's very simple. America will have got it right if Kelly and Justin are on the Kodak stage next week. Nikki, while trying to keep a smile, was visibly shaken and upset. The lights dimmed, enough padding, time for the results. Step forward, Nikki. Nikki, America has eliminated you tonight. There were cheers from the audience. There were boos from the audience. Nikki got it together and thanked her fans. Wow, you guys, what an incredible journey this has been, really. I mean, for everybody, to just to know that so many people support me and enjoy what I do means more than anything in the world. Thank you guys so much. Paula had some excellent words for Nikki. You have to walk away feeling so proud of yourself because you've done something that's very difficult to do. Throughout this entire competition, you've never compromised. You've never patronized this competition. You've stuck to your guns and stayed true to who you are. Ultimately, that might have been what hurt you, but I'd like to believe that's what's going to propel you to superstardom. So after 10,000 contestants and over 81 million votes, we had our two finalists, Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini. They would be finally going to the place that was promised to them months before, Hollywood and the grand finale at the home of the Oscars, the Kodak Theatre, on Hollywood and Highland. You don't want to miss me talking about those two evenings. There's a lot you don't know. But there's a lot I don't know about what was going on during the first season, which I'm hoping to pry out of my guest this week, the young lady who just came third. Let's welcome Nikki McKibben. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Nigel. Welcome, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. So I'm going to get right to the point straight away and ask you, what made you audition for American Idol? I auditioned for Idol kind of by happenstance. Um, I was running a karaoke uh, show and I had um, a little girl that was 15 whose father was really interested in signing her up for this show that I knew nothing about. So I found all the paperwork that Friday night and filled it out and, you know, read over it. And I called him and I said, she's got to be 16. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, okay, well, if they have a next season, you know, we'll just do it then. But thank you for your time and effort and all of that. And I thought, well, I've done all this work. <laughs> the auditions are tomorrow morning. Like, I may as well just go myself. So I didn't know anything about it at all. Right, right. And then just ended up, it's like, I feel like I auditioned and then I never went home <laughs> until the show was over. Incredible. So when you when you were in the waiting room to audition, uh, you obviously went through the producers first. You probably saw Kenny and I first. And then you got through to the uh, main judges. Were kids coming out into that waiting room frightened or in tears from what Simon had said? I think that's why it was so hard for all of us to go in and be excited to go in because we were watching everybody come out and it just didn't seem like it was a very, you know, positive situation. (laughs) Well, uh, before Idol, you were on the American version of Pop Stars. I was. How far did you get on that? Uh, top 26. Top 26. And they were forming a band, right? Yeah, they were forming a band called uh, Eden's Crush. 
and uh, Nicole Scherzinger actually was in the band, so it was pretty cool. What was the difference between that audition and the Idol audition? Well, that audition I prepared for, but I'm a terrible <laughs> dancer. <laughs> you know, I knew about it. I looked it up. I prepared for it, and then I got there, and I'm I just can't dance. I cannot do choreography to save my life, and I don't think we realized like what kind of group it was going to be or anything like what they were looking for. I'm not sure they knew what they were looking for. You know, as they were right. putting things together. I don't know if you know, but I was in the British version of that as Nasty Nigel, the judge. Oh no, and. Yeah, and I know that in America here, they sweetened the audition process up a little bit so it wasn't too nasty and cruel. However, we changed it up with American Idol, and as you well know, Cowell was tough and brutally honest. Very. How did you feel about that? Did he ever give you a critique that really upset you? Jeez, I think he said a lot of things that upset me. That was a copycat version. That was karaoke. I think especially when we got to the top three and he should have been addressing me since I was going home and instead made this big to-do about, like, America's got it right if Kelly and Justin are standing on that stage next week. Like, that was probably the most heart-wrenching thing that happened. How tough was Hollywood Week for you? Hollywood Week was difficult just because I don't work really well with other people. And, you know, I have a really strong work ethic, but, you know, those other girls that were in my group, you know, you're learning songs together. You're doing songs in a group. You have people in your group that can't remember the lyrics. You have people in your group who can't harmonize. You have people in your group who want to go have a drink or party as opposed to, you know, get getting things done. So, you know, that was difficult, you know, just the process of having to work with other kids so closely, you know, in a group where right. the entire group like could hinder your chance of, you know, going forward because they didn't do things right. Did you ever have a row with anybody in your group? <laughs> uh, Kristen, I think her name was Kristen Davis. She was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. She and I did not get along at all. Uh, Kristen Holt. Kristen Holt. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she and I, she just, uh, she was very in my opinion at that time stuck up and you know of course me with this fire engine red hair and you know plastic clothes and you know all of that our our attitudes just clashed so bad with one another so you know we did not get along at all what did you like most about being on american idol during that time what did i like most was it the house? Was it living up there in Hollywood? No, I think it was like really the first time they ever took us out. And we realized how big the show was and how many fans we had because we were living in this little bitty bubble, you know, living in this house, just going, it's like going to work every day, you know, doing this every day, going back to the mansion. And then, you know, when we got to go out and do things like watch swim fan or the premiere of triple X, you know, and got to do things and people knew who we were, you know, that was like the coolest thing for me. And there was a lovely moment. I know was terrific for all of you. As soon as you were in the top 10, you were given a MasterCard with $2,000 on it to just go out and spend it. 
Yeah. And uh, you really did enjoy spending that money. <laughs> I love shopping and I needed makeup and clothes and I love Dolce & Gabbana, but I couldn't afford it at that time. So like it was cool to, you know, be able to just go in somewhere and buy something that I really liked or get stuff that I really needed, like makeup and a makeup kit, you know, because I didn't know if we were going to have hairstylists and makeup artists. We didn't on pop stars. So, you know, I was, you know, I suspected I was going to be doing all that stuff myself. And so my brain went right to get stuff for your face, get stuff for your hair, you know, and get a couple of outfits. <laughs> yes. What disappointed you? Is there anything that disappointed you when you were on Idol? I don't think there was anything that disappointed me. Um, you know, I, th that's not true. Okay. <laughs> I think when we did Judge's Choice and a song from Our Idol is how it was originally pitched. And then it went from, from that to they presented it as Judge's Choice and Contestant's Choice. And I thought, well, God, I'd never in my entire life, you know, sang... Stevie Nicks, had I known that it was, you know, something that I could have done that was not by my idol. So that was disappointing. Right. Because I just felt like like I was the only person there really, you know, raspy and singing rock and roll. Apart from one week when you sang Ben. <laughs> and you really got yourself into trouble with that. I think that's what shocked the judges, was the fact that you were a sort of rock chick, if you like. And there you are singing Michael Jackson's Ben. <laughs> well, I couldn't think of anything Motown like to sing. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to go home, I'm just going to go home singing something that my mom used to sing to me when I was a little kid, <laughs> you know. So <sighs> that was why I did that. Well, you certainly didn't go home, did you? No. Did that shock you? I fully anticipated that I would be going home after that performance. I mean, you were in the bottom three or bottom two five times before you were eliminated. What was that like for you to just every week end up in the bottom two or three? After like the third time, I just started referring to it as the McKibben zone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. I really did. I was like, am I going to be in the McKibben zone again today? Because I think I was like there every week except for one. And it was like right in the middle somewhere. So, you know. Uh, I was used to it, I think, by the third time, but I fully expected to go home, like, way before I did. But, I mean, it bothered me at first, but then it was just like, okay, back to the McKibben zone I go, you know, and you can't, <laughs> you know, rejection is part of this industry, so it's not sure, like you can get sure. upset about it. That's I mean, right. you can get upset about it, but it's not going to do you any good. Did you sort of pick anybody out at that point and think they are my biggest competition? Tamira. Tamira. Yeah, I fully yeah. thought Tamira was going to win the show. I thought there's no way I'm even getting through Hollywood week. Like, if this is how good other people are, there's just no way. Because she came out and she was just phenomenal. And I thought, oh, God, like, this girl's going to win this whole show. Yeah, uh, and I must say that I felt the same thing. I thought she was tremendous and, and continued to be tremendous all the way through. And one of my favorite performances across all the seasons was to Myra singing A House Is Not A Home. Oh, my gosh. I'll watch that all the time. Yeah. Uh, now, your son, Tristan, was on camera during season one. I remember Debbie Williams picking him up out of the audience, plunking him on the stage and got him to run towards you. 
How did that feel that your kid was on camera at that point? I thought it was awesome that he got to run up to the stage and hand me a rose. But he was like, it felt like he was about to cry and he wanted up there with me. And as a mom, I just wanted to be able to pick him up, you know, and hoist him up there and, you know, get him backstage with me. But um, it was very cute. You know, it was very sweet. He's such a great kid. And uh, I thought it was really neat, you know, but when he handed me the rose and I said, thank you. And then he just kind of stood there looking up at me like, <laughs> you know, pick me up, mom. You know, so that's when I got had to like get down on the stage and uh, give him a hug and a kiss and be like, you know, I love you. <laughs> Go sit back down. Um, it was a beautiful moment. And of course, the audience loved that as well. Yeah. I mean, to well, see that you're a mom. And you were a single mom at that time, weren't you? I was, yeah. How how was that during that time of the auditions and everything else to be a single mom and, and worry about Tristan as well as your career? Yeah, I was, you know, scared him being at home, especially after people saw him on TV. You know, he was only four at the time. People were driving by my grandmother's house and stuff like that. Grandmother was looking after him, was she? Yeah, my grandma and my mom were. Right. And I just had to keep in mind that I'm doing this for him so I can make enough money to support him, you know, because I'd never been away from him for that long of a period of time. Right. And for some reason, I started talking to him about stranger danger, you know. Right. Like, don't let anybody pick you up from school. I don't care if they tell you that I'm hurt, you know. Just don't leave this school with anybody except for, you know, people that you know are supposed to come pick you up. You know, if somebody comes to pick you up, tell them, okay, let me go grab my things, like my backpack and my lunchbox, and I'll be right out, you know. Very smart, uh, yeah. I told him to go straight to the principal's office and call me um, because the school was literally right across the street from my grandmother's house. So this was completely after I had already gotten home from the show and all of that. And um, sure enough, I get a phone call on Friday and he's like, mom, are you okay? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, well, there's some lady here that said you were in a car accident and you know, I needed to come with her and take you to the hospital. And I said, okay, well, stay in the principal's office. Do not go back outside, and I'll be there in, like, a minute. And by the time I got there, she was gone. We never found out who she was, but it was very scary. Very scary. Oh, it wow. makes me almost want to cry now. Yeah, it's terribly worrying, and, and people listening to this should be aware that those sort of things happen. Absolutely. Um. Any stories for me about, I mean, you were living in that huge mansion up on the top of, uh, I think it was Mulholland Drive. Mulholland. With, with fabulous views from every window. I think you had Sylvester Stallone down the street. <laughs> Any, anything uh, happened there that we don't know about? I think, well, you know about it, but not many people do. And I think that it was like the coolest moment in the show for me, period, because of what you said to me. Um, but when we were doing the People magazine shoot, I jumped into the pool and tried not to get my face wet and broke my foot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right? Right. And, uh, here we are doing this amazing photo shoot. And, and then, you know, I've got Kelly up on my shoulders. We're playing chicken in the pool. I try to get out of the pool and I can't put any weight on my foot. 
Um, so I go to the hospital. They give me this boot that I don't want to wear. You know, they give me some medicine and they shoo me on my way. And, um, you know, I use my crutches everywhere. But I remember when we did dress rehearsal and I did Heartbreaker, like, I was fine until it was over, like, and I went to stand in front of the judges and just kind of, like, collapsed into the floor because it hurt so bad. But the next day, I just went out and did my song and went about my business. But you came out, came out of the doors and to the van, like, stopped the van as we were leaving and stuck your head in the window, and you were like, Nikki, I just wanted to say, like, I'm so proud of you for not going out there and, like, trying to get a sympathy vote, you know, um, by using, like, your crutches or your boot or anything like that. So that was really cool for me. I'd forgotten that story, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. I've got a lousy memory. I'm calling it idle (laughs) memories. I'm using other people's memories. You've got to realize that. (laughs) Uh, Now, Debbie Williams tells a very interesting story about Justin and said he was a real player with the girls. Mm. Okay. Were you aware of that? Yes, I was very aware that Justin was a player with all of the girls, almost all of the girls. I think it might have gotten him into a little bit of trouble once we uh, got whittled down. Meaning? Mm, you're going to get me in trouble. Um, meaning that there was something going on with Kelly and Tamira uh, while we were in the house. Wow. Listen to track eight on her first album. What, on Kelly's first album? On Kelly's first album. Track eight. We'll check that one out. Yeah, you thought wrong. It's her and Tamira. I'm not sure if you ever hit on Christina. I know that I made it very apparent that I was wearing a low-cut shirt and he was having a conversation with me and staring at my boobs instead of my face. And I was like, hey, dude, like up here... Like, you want to look at my face when you're talking to me? (laughs) And so he never tried anything with me after that. I was just one of the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I remember that you sang Melissa Etheridge's songs and Stevie Nicks songs, Mm -hmm. and you got messages and notes from them, didn't you? I got a whole beautiful bouquet of flowers from Stevie Nicks that I never actually got to see because uh, one of the producers kept coming to me like on the tour bus and going, have you gotten them yet? Have you gotten them yet? Somebody sent you a present. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, you know, well, you haven't got your flowers. And I was like, no. And she was like, well, Stevie Nicks sent you flowers. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so the flowers actually went to my grandmother's house instead of the tour bus. But my mom was like so cool that she took a picture of them, of course, And then she went to a florist and had them all crushed up after they died and had an exact replica made of them in silk. Wow. And was there a card with it? Did Stevie say anything? Yeah. um, It says something like, you came in third out of 10,000. That's amazing. You are the gypsy that I was. And uh, she signed it and all that. It's beautiful. I had no idea... Uh, when I finally got to meet her, that it was actually a handwritten note. Wow. You know, I thought that the people at the flower shop... Loris did it, yeah. Right. She's a wonderful woman, I must say. Amazing. She was a, a, a great fan of, of So You Think You Can Dance as well. So I'm very, very pleased to know her. 
Um, and what did Melissa say to you? I was so much in shock, like I don't remember much of it, but just uh, complimenting the fact that I had the courage to go out there and, you know, sing a song by an artist who was not straight on a show that was that big. Right, right. So... Out of all the songs that you sang on the show, did you have a particular favourite? Mary Jane, I think, was my favourite one. Really? Why? Because I love Alanis Morissette. She's what got me. I did country music for 19 years, and then I discovered alternative and rock music like after I got out of high school and stuff. But the first artist that I discovered was Alanis, like doing my karaoke shows. And so... That's how I fell in love with alternative music and rock music and stuff like that was because of her. My mom was always listening to Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. So, you know, that's a huge thing. But, like, when I finally got to choose what I wanted to sing, the style of music, it was just my favorite song. When you were in the top four, you and Tamira Gray, who you believed was going to win, and I must say I, I... Believe that to start with, I erred towards Kelly once she really came out of her shell, as it were. But you're standing there with Tamira, and one of you is going to go home. I bet you thought it was you that was going to be going home, right? Do you want honesty? Of course, yes. (laughs) Well, I'm a very uh, aware person, like, of things that are going on. Tamira came to me and said, uh, I didn't get my CD. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you, Justin, and Kelly got your CDs of A Moment Like This and Before Your Love. Like the three of us got our CDs. Tamira didn't get her CD. And so we kind of knew already because we talked about it. Oh, let me explain that because we didn't know who was going to be in the finale, all four of you were asked to record A Moment Like This and Before Your Love. Right. So what you're saying to me is somebody from the record company only gave out three CDs. Right. And Tamira didn't get her CD. So that made you believe that Tamira was going to be going home. Made her believe it as well. That's why if you watch back, um, she actually says, I was prepared for this. Wow. I mean, that is a huge revelation. I've never heard that before in my life. That is quite stunning, really, because we were so careful on who knew who would be going home after the vote. Not many people knew at all. It was like the executive producers, of course, and the record company, and that was it. And it sounds to me like the record company really screwed up over that. I'm literally going to have to call Ken after this interview and let him know because he'll be as shocked as I am. Now, you obviously had a really good time on American Idol. Was it you who inspired Tristan to audition then for American Idol when he was 15? Because that's what he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, and that, it's, it's funny to me because my entire life, I wanted to be a, a forensic pathologist or a homicide detective. Like, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And so he came to me around that time and he was like, Mom, what else would you have done if you couldn't sing for a living? And I was like, well, son, I didn't start out wanting to sing for a living. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you didn't. And I was like, no, babe. So when he asked me about going to audition, I thought, 
okay, well, this will be good for him to, you know, get some experience. Um, but he wanted me to teach him. You would have been as tough as Simon Cowell, in truth. <laughs> Your honesty would have come straight out. Yeah. Um, how did he enjoy the experience? He loved it. He thought it was really cool. Well, I think it's really cool that you wanted to be a forensic pathologist or a homicide detective. I mean, you could have been a judge on American Idol because we saw enough songs murdered on it. <laughs> now, I understand that you and Simon Cowell actually had a run-in outside of the actual show. Is that right? Well, here's what happened. He said to me... Your eyes are so beautiful. I just want to take them out of your head and put them on my nightstand so that I can look at them every night. And um, I told him that he was fucking creepy and not to ever speak to me like that about anything like that ever again. Do you feel it affected his relationship with you? He uh, was more brutally honest than he needed to be, but I feel like the longer I stayed, you know, the nicer he got again. <laughs> right. What do you think? It's 18 years on now, Nikki. 18 years since you were on that program. What did American Idol do for you? Well, I think it obviously, you know, first off gave me a, a way to better support my child. Like I was on government welfare before, I did idle, and so, you know, I didn't have to worry about feeding my kid or if I was going to eat or if we were going to have a, a place to live or anything like that. I've made an album. I'm a published author now in the midst of writing a book, and, you know, it's just given me great exposure to go and do other things. The only thing that I feel like it hinders in my life ever is like trying to find a normal job, <laughs> you know, because people are like, you're on American Idol, like you don't need to work here. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, I need a job, you know. Right, right. I don't want to just stay stuck in my house all the time. That's not very fun. Especially during this pandemic. Exactly. Well, I hope you and your family stay safe during this time. I want to thank you so much for coming on Idol Memories and for all of the information that you've given me and shocked me with, I have uh -oh. to say. Yeah. See, that a might be bad. Times. No, it's all good. <laughs> Nikki, God bless you. Thank you so much. Love you. Uh, love you too. And I love the fact, as you guys listening to us are learning more and more facts about what was going on with American Idol, so am I. And I can't wait, as I said earlier, to call Kenny Warwick, the other executive producer, and let him know about some of the things I've heard today. Well, next week is obviously the finale. I've got a lot of things I want to say about that and a, n a number of things that are going to absolutely shock you. Uh, so please don't forget to listen into that. And don't forget to subscribe to Idle Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Stay safe. See you soon. Cue music. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.